But like in my mind, even though he said, okay, with the exception of what we already talked about, in my mind, the answer is still yes. And I'm strapped to a polygraph. So I'm like, this polygraph took me like nine hours. And I was like, at the end, he basically told me I failed, but not really. And I was just like, man, you get this off me. And I just left. Welcome to Depth and Distance, where we are breaking leadership down into really small, easy to understand skills so that we can build up into the more complex skills that it takes to be a great leader. And we are tackling a leadership challenge this week about resource allocation. But more importantly, this conversation dives into how so many things are tied together and how to use these skills to help you do better, to help your people do better, to help the mission go better. It's Diga, it's Master Chief Foster. If, if you know anything about the military podcast verse, you know that 10 out of 10, both as a person and as a leader. So it's a really great conversation. Buckle up. There is some cursing. Sorry. <laughs> when, you, when you let, I don't know if it's Master Chiefs or Submariners or what loose, you know, we get a little informal, but it's still really fun. There's a lot of good information in there and I hope you find it useful. So this is our leadership challenge for this week. We are breaking down resource allocation and yeah, yeah. The I, supply. hell yeah. Before um, we get started though, go you got to introduce yourself. I got to introduce myself. Yeah. I am the purveyor of Don't Give Up Shit Podcast, aka D Guts. That's not actually my name. I just go by it. Yeah, I do a leadership <laughs> development podcast. Been doing it for a long time. That's how we know each other. And I'm a retired mass chief. I retired about a year and a half ago. Submarine type, because that's the best kind. And yeah, I don't know. Do you want me to? And culinary specialist type. Oh, yeah. I was a CS back in the day. Yeah. Got a fancy culinary degree. Um, going to school for psychology right i have a bachelor's degree in uh, organizational leadership that i was just getting to mm -hmm. like put on my fucking resumes when i retired or whatever i'll have the bachelor's in psychology by summer and then there's a three-year master's program that you can get licensed with so i'm just going to do yeah. the master's program that i found that's kind of close to where i'm going to school now and then Hell probably yeah. get licensed in like three years and that'll be what i be when i grow up that's dope I'm kind of going back and forth about if I'm going to be like, it's not like, I don't think I don't want to counsel, but it's going to be like, a, am I going to be able to do it effectively? Because being in that room with my own baggage, I had a thing happen in class this past term that they played this video of a bunch of dudes with uh, military veterans with PTSD doing like a group counseling session. And I like about lost my shit and had to leave. So I was like, if I can't sit here and watch a video that was just like a, it was like news coverage, like a clip on YouTube of these. And they were yeah. just talking through some of their stuff and talking about why it's important to do it and how it like how it's worked for them and stuff like that. And I, it just was like, I, it was a lot. And I about like had an anxiety attack and had to book it out of the classroom. And I'm like, this is a problem. If I want to be in a room <laughs> with people sharing their trauma with me. So I'm, yeah. I'll figure it out though, because I applied for a peer counselor jobs, so I'll be in those rooms to an extent, and it'll be forgivable if I start ugly crying because that's kind of part of the job. But I'll get to see how it affects me and see if I think I can actually do those things. Because then, like, and and if I can't, I'll have oh, like eight or nine months figure that out before, and I'll finish the bachelor's degree anyway, and then just like guess I'm gonna go do something else. But yeah, I have faith. We'll see. I have faith.
And I know for me, having like military, like people who Mm -hmm. served, so you don't have to like translate all the lingo. That was a big part of my motivation was, so the peer counselor thing, like one of my professors linked me up with her because she works with veterans and that's what I said I wanted to do. And so I just wanted to learn more about what like ways you can, you can do that, like within psychology generally. And she told me about peer counselors. And at the time I thought they were just a VA thing because she was saying almost all the providers are not veterans and the veterans have a hard time like relating to them and vice versa. So here's the leadership challenge for this week. You are the SUPO aboard USS Depth and Distance. And through a series of wildly unpredictable events, all the other leadership in your food service division are on leave and inspections. Mm -hmm inspectors are coming to evaluate you for a prestigious food service award tomorrow which is also a holiday meal this would never happen right yeah (laughs) you need to organize a plan to execute the meal for the crew knock it out of the park so your team can get the recognition they deserve tomorrow you will have five culinary specialists working with you two of whom have baking experience one of whom just reported to the ship and has no experience one of whom has done a lot of admin work over the last year or so in preparation for the chief's exam. And is also the only one who knows how to like carve fruits and decorate cakes. Mm. And your last CS has a lot of varied experience, but nothing that they specialize in. You have to serve breakfast from six to seven, then clean up at seven 30. So you can't start preparing for the big meal until then. The meal must be served from noon to 13 and you need to serve the following menu for a crew of 200. Ham, turkey, green beans, cranberry, mashed potatoes, gravy, sweet potato casserole, pumpkin pie, pecan pie, dinner rolls, roasted vegetables, stuffing, and a salad bar. You have two mixers, three kettles, two ovens, a microwave, one small freezer, one reefer, and an adequate amount of counter space and cooking utensils like bowls and knives. Mm. Using what you know, determine how to organize your resources to serve the meal on time. I should have took Remember fucking to... notes, bro. Jesus. I should have emailed <laughs> I got me this you. at a time. <laughs> right. I didn't I remember you. any of those numbers, but so it but is we'll the prime is so I'm the supply officer. I'm not me, so I can't use the skills and experience that I actually have in real life, right? You can use you. I'll be the suppo. Okay. Because if you, I'm the you, I was you gonna say you. if I'm if I'm the <laughs> if I'm the suppo and I don't have this ability, I can't Get, get my hands dirty at any point during this that's true, that's true. resource what? allocation. So Suppo, it's probably, it's Suppo it's, can get your hands dirty. Well, I'm, what you. I'm saying is like, think about my capacity in a galley and your capacity in a galley. If we're short on CS's time and talent, you know what I mean? Like I can go in there and make a lot of shit yeah. happen. That You're more none of a of master those, chief. None of those, none of those CS's can either. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. but yeah, so Oof, we got five CS's. How many people make my whole meal? Did we say that? 200. You got a crew. If I have people. five cooks and I, so, so presumably this is dinner. So I have it's like lunch. four or five hours. 12, 12 to 13. Yeah. You got, you've got four and a half said, hours. Okay. Whatever. If I have so four breakfast... and a half hours and five cooks, yeah. I could make five meals for 200 people. So of course you could, but, but like, like, uh, no, I'm saying like, if I'm just, out. if I'm, Master Chief's like, I got this. If I'm Suppo and I have five cooks to throw at a problem like that, like, that's not a problem. Like, especially because the baking would have been done the day before if you're a smart kid. It is if you're a... How the fuck do you cook a ham? Well, yeah. That's not true. There's a procedure for that, turns out. Uh Yeah. I, I mean, like the... It's hard to... Because I feel like this is me being like... I'm thinking about it like a lot of the shit you listed would already be done if this is day of, right? Like all the bake. The, and this is not just submarine specific. I don't think like a lot of platforms and like, we're talking about like a shore galley or whatever. 
do the baking yeah. the night before or the day before. Sure. And so it's like so all that would be done rolls. already. Right. Dinner rolls uh, are done. Yeah. Dinner rolls maybe, but definitely all the pies and stuff would be done already. Pies uh, are done. So day of, I got a bunch of bakers that don't got to bake. So that's fun. Um, I mean, but like, and then inexperienced to too. And I think that's something yeah. important to like, when you're thinking about resources and you're thinking about resource constraints, I think that's something leaders, especially yeah. officers forget about a lot, which is like the constraints that you think that you have are not are, always yeah, real. Yeah. And, well, so and also, like, oh, I got to bake pies. And you're like, yeah, no, you don't. Because if you've got your together, then you have mm -hmm. a night baker. Yeah. And you're they're done already. together. And like, yeah. as long as you pull out anything that your night baker can do, mm -hmm. then it's like, dang, a lot of this is easy. Yeah. Pickings. And it, yeah, a lot of that meal that you presented was was very simple. And that was going to be one of my first moves was simplify the meal. But then you hamstrung me with it's got to be this holiday <laughs> meal. And here's the menu. So like, <laughs> Because because what you do when you're you have limited resources as you as you have a depletion in manning, you start adjusting the the types of things you're doing as a division. And then when you're developing menus, they talk about like, I need to design this to it's got to be within the skill set of the people that I'm going to have doing it. Right. Like I have a yeah. fancy culinary degree. That doesn't mean my people have a fancy culinary degree. And it definitely doesn't mean sure. I'm going to be in the galley all the time. So. I need to make this simple enough that these inexperienced cooks can do it. Like, yes, they have other experience and skills and knowledge and whatever, but it sounds like I'm going to like set it up so that it it's within their skill set. And then training is yeah. what I'm going to try to stretch outside of that. So like keeping whatever we're talking about with, and I could change a menu day of as well, especially if I'm the supply officer. So it, if it was too complicated and it was beyond the skill set of these people, as I understand it, I can also make alterations and just be like, look, we unexpectedly lost everybody that has all the experience and expertise. So I can simplify the menu to reflect the skills of the people I have here so that we still have a good meal. And it doesn't it isn't beyond the skill set of the people that I have and stressing them out and or leading to mistakes, which is what trying to push them beyond their skill set on a day like that would do. Plus you have the added stress of we're doing an inspection. So I, I would also want it to be as simple as possible for that reason. It's like, we're not just preparing this holiday meal. We're effectively performing it in more ways than one. Like I want the meal to be great, but I can't just like burn the ships in route to, to doing that. I need, I don't, I, I can't have a path of destruction behind me. I need it to be right. the way that I'm doing. It needs to be correct too. So it's like, we need to be very good at like order of operations and, and sanitation and like just all the little things. So it's like, what would probably be happening is I'd be allocating. I never need five people in a galley, especially if I'm only feeding 200 people. So what I would probably end up doing is having some of those people like kind of fan out with me because I'm probably trained in sanitation and stuff like that. So it's like I'd have like probably two people in the galley or maybe I'm in the galley and they're out on the mess decks or whatever, just policing everything and making sure that yeah. it, the FSAs are doing what they're supposed to do and things are clean and things are being served correctly and taking temperatures and doing all of the little things that would that would go into the inspection part of it, it, it yeah. because I, it's like I need somebody to to be on top of those things especially if it's it's like sh all of a sudden I lost all my supervisors it's like somebody needs to be out there policing these things otherwise yeah we might get the meal out and it might be delicious but we're gonna get wrecked on this inspection so, right. And I um, think that's like, I think you hit on a bunch of things there, which is like, first off, basically every mili military instruction out there has mm. some sort of clause where it's like, if the resources, the time, the people, yeah. whatever, 
just let us know. That was like my biggest takeaway from being an FSO, a food service officer Mm -hmm. was like, if you annotate something in the 1046, mm-hmm. you can get away with it. Yep. You can get away with murder. Yep. You can just be my like, chops all we learned that real quick. <laughs> Food service I, memos, baby. Let's go. As long as chops inks on it, we're good. <laughs> and sometimes XO. And I think yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's the biggest thing is like when you look at all your resources, if you're ever like, this is literally impossible. Mm. Like almost always there's a loophole. And then I well, love what you said about like with that yeah. many people. You're like, mm-hmm. look, first thing we got to do is we got to put a couple of people on, like, make sure this is on lock. Yeah. So, like, for me, it's like you take one of the really experienced ones, you take the person who's been doing admin for a long time, and you say, look, y'all's job is to be my extra set of eyes because people are going to underestimate the inspection element of this. Mm-hmm. But inspectors aren't looking for you to do the fanciest, coolest, whatever. They're right, looking for you right. to follow all the rules and produce something you know i mean in the case of better than good enough in the case of it being the award i think we're alluding to it's very much about the dog and pony show and very not about procedural (laughs) compliance but the other thing i was going to say separate problems yeah yeah, yeah. i i spent my last three years in the military doing inspections so it's like the other thing that was really frustrating for me is if you're in that type of a scenario where all the leadership just got snapped out of existence like thanos like call Mm -hmm. me tell me that don't like i was on a plane to guam when the squadron Mm. supply officer told me there was only three cooks on board the submarine we were going to inspect and the first class hadn't slept in days i'm like what why the am i on an airplane i could i would have stayed home or hear me out if nobody else could do it which should have been your first move i would have packed my bag and went to sea on uss whatever so that this first class wasn't having to shoulder that kind of load by himself but like yeah. going out and doing an inspection on him right now, are you nuts? And so I told, I straight up told my chop, the flagstaff chop, I'm like, I'm not doing an inspection. I'm telling you right now, we're not doing it. This is going to be training and me trying to like set this first Help. class up for success to yeah. do like what he has to do until he gets more people. And we, we had that happen multiple times. There was an inspection where I climbed down on the ship and then got briefed by the chain of command that there was a third class running the division because the first class had just gotten taken off. And the other first class had like a, they had left one behind and the other one had like a a medical thing they had to get off for. And so, yeah, the, just the, I I had this navigator that used to say the most powerful word in the, in the English language on board of submarine is no. And he's like, people get so wound up about having to get the thing done in time to go do the real thing. It's like, whatever, whatever it is, that they just blindly say, yes, we can do it. We'll make it happen. Or they start compromising standards and procedures and safety measures and whatever to try to make it happen. And they cut corners and start doing shit wrong. It's like, you're allowed to say, hey, this doesn't really work. Like we had this thing happen that was completely unexpected where we lost all of the leadership. And it's like, and they're coming to do an inspection tomorrow. Yeah, we're calling everybody. I'm going to brief the CO. I'm calling squadron. And I'm saying, hey, like, this isn't feasible. I need you to shut this off. Or it's converted into like a training. Like, if they want to come down anyway, hang out, give us a like little, give us a look informally and train up and whatever and eat a holiday meal with us. Or like be in the galley with those guys mentoring them through that would be, that's what I would do. I'd be like, they have a holiday meal and they just lost everybody. I'm like, fuck it, we're here already. We might, I'll just go down there and do training. Like, I'll just go down there and be in the galley and help them get this meal out. So it's like, yeah, exactly. I'll be like, oh, cool. I don't have to, I don't have to write an inspection report 
and I get to go in the galley and play with my cooks, let's go. And I would just go in there and cook the meal yeah. with them and do training, high five them on the way out, say good job and go home. Cause like doing an inspection at that time is completely inappropriate. It, it, it you invalidate the inspection if the leadership's not there anyway, because it right. would it look wildly different if they were. Yeah, it would hundred percent. Like they know what sometimes we're looking for better. Sometimes. For worse. Right. Uh, right. Most of the inspections I did were not great, but if the, if you removed the leadership, would it have gotten better? Not, I mean, sometimes there was a few times where I can say for sure, shout out to CS1 McMillan. Like if that chief hadn't <laughs> been there, she would have, she would have whipped that place into shape like that because I trained her, but like it, she couldn't. And I, I came on board, I came on board. I'm in the galley watching them cook lunch, right? They know who I am. Yeah. They know why I'm there. And I'm standing in the galley watching them cook lunch. And it looks like, one of the serve safe slides when they're like, what's wrong with this picture? And there's like all these examples of horrible, like egregious sanitation issues and safety issues and stuff. And I pulled Mac over. I'm like, Mac, she did a deployment with me. I trained her. She knew exactly. She knew exactly who I was and exactly what I was going to expect. And I pulled her side. I'm like, Mac, what, what's wrong with this picture? And she starts immediately just robocopping it all, telling me all the things that I'm going to flip out about. And I said, Okay, so if you know that, what the? F and she's just like, I've tried. What are we they don't listen. This chief doesn't listen to me. Blah blah. And I'm just. And so she just. She got to the point where she just stopped speaking up because they didn't listen to her anyway, and it just made like her work environment more hostile. So, yeah, it. You're allowed to. You're allowed to say no. But yeah, the the absence of the chain of command has varying results so you know maybe it would make it better for know, sure but yeah i i that's a thing i don't think people understand they can even do it's like yeah call me and talk to me like i'm not the empire like you're allowed to call me i'm not darth vader like you can call up and be like hey man so this is what's going on can, is there any way we can reschedule this we used to do that all the time with units locally just like they'd be like yeah, yeah it doesn't really work for us because this is happening and that person's going to be gone can we wait can we do it in port because this that and the other thing it's like we're willing to discuss it sometimes we're going to say no because you can tell you're, you're you're trying to set they're just trying to set up like a, a way better deal or get more time to do something that should have been done already or whatever. But there's a lot of times where they had really valid reasons. <laughs> and I was glad yeah. when they actually told us because most of the time they didn't, they didn't think they could. And so it's like, that yeah. would be a thing as well. It's like, just speak up. Uh, the worst thing I could do is say, no, we're coming anyway. You know? So it's like, you might as well it's ask. Like dating. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like true. It's, no, yeah. it is though. Cause it's like, dating. Right. it's like, if you don't ask, then you never go on a date with right. them. And if you do ask and they say no, then you just, never go on I a still date don't with go them. on a day with like, them darn you know it's, like it's the same but even in this case you don't have to suffer the shame of like being rejected it's like if I tell you no like we have to do it anyway like that doesn't change my opinion of you like you spoke up if anything for a guy like me it would it would like enhance my opinion like, I'd be like oh that's good for you for speaking up but in this case no like we're, we're already here I don't see that as a reason not to do an inspection so like I'll yeah. keep it in mind but we're doing it anyway yeah. And yeah, it's not going to change my opinion of them. Like, I understand what you're doing. I would have probably done the same thing, but here we are. Yeah. So, fair yeah, enough. Be, speak so, even, up. If the <laughs> even if the inspectors work, weren't coming, how would you think about allocating resources for this menu? Right. So, you've got like limited ovens, limited mixers. You know what I was going to say, do you want to get into the nuts and bolts of like how to prepare? Yeah. If we're talking about like allocating like the ovens and all that, like, yeah, I have an order of operations. But there's probably a thousand versions of that where you could allocate yeah. that because the meal itself, you're talking about 
ham takes less time than turkey. The turkeys are big. They should go in super early and they hot hold well. Then that frees up oven space for other things later. I mean, green beans are stupid easy. Mashed potatoes are, I mean, if you're making them from scratch, they're not as easy. And there would have been some prep that would have went into that, but it's just peeling and boiling potatoes. So a lot of the menu is very simple. A lot of the baked goods being done already helps a lot. So it's a really simple menu. The biggest yeah. thing, would, if the turkeys aren't in early enough, you're like, that's like yeah. a single point of failure, really. Yeah. And so for me, it's like the turkeys and therefore like the oven kind of is really like the critical path here because you're saying like, look, the night before we have to get this baking done. That's going to involve some ovens. The turkey needs to go in. That's on a really strict timeline. And then the hams are also going to go in the ovens. They take less. And so for me, it's like lining those things up and seeing like, okay, here's Here's the choke point. The choke point is probably the ovens, not the people, not even really like the breakfast to lunch time frame. It's like, how am I getting all of these things to the appropriate temperatures because so many of them need to flow through this one resource? Everything else that I remember from the menu off the top of my head, you you have so much equipment that you listed off. It would be a non-issue. But the biggest yeah. thing is is yeah, like there are things like that where it's like, if I if I don't start rolling that ball downhill at four in the morning, like it's it's just not gonna work. Like depending on the size of the birds and all that. But like, you yeah. can't, like sometimes like if I don't, like if we're thinking about it, like loading out for a deployment, if I don't order my food far enough in advance, I'm not getting it. If I don't have, so like yeah. that, that was, I got, I got just like broken with like planning a million years in advance for everything and being hyper concerned about those things when I was on Jimmy Carter, because there's zero room for error because you're never in port long yeah. enough to have any slop. Like you better be on yeah. it. And it's, I got, I mean, I was like using analytics to predict endurance and use. I was tracking usage. I got, I could send you some spreadsheets that you'd be like, Holy <laughs> shit. Like, and I, I used to give them to people all the time too. And they would be like, what the, cause I'm talking about, like I had a, a load plan. We would have every single fic on a, in, a, in a column and then 28 days and I'd go through the menu and every single fucking line item, I'd record exactly how much I would need to use for that menu of that item that day. It adds up. I get an average daily usage at the end. I use that to project out based on prior source consumed data, which is accurate because I have another system for posting 1282s and 1090s that'll <laughs> melt your brain too. But it's like, I know the Such data going into FSM is correct. So I know my stores consumed is giving me good data. That data is helping me predict future usage because the menu doesn't change that much. And then, yeah. and I make those tweaks, but I can still use it as a pretty fucking great predictor. If like, you know, now I'm using, now my average daily usage for chicken went up a tiny bit because some of the things moved around or they added a chicken and took away a fish or whatever the fuck, but it's still really really accurate especially because i i don't just know like i can look at the stores consumed report which is just it's just usage data for i'm, I'm starting to get like dorking out on cs terminology but <laughs> the it's just usage data that it but that's like an aggregate of 30 days and it prints it out and tells you how much you use but then i can go look at another form that we have these three three fives for every single fic i can go look at that and say on that day for that line item i actually used this much so mm -hmm. as the menu changes, I know how much I use. So I just, oh, I need 60 pounds of chicken for this. And I'll just plug that into the spreadsheet. So it becomes very, very accurate. Which is like another skill that we're getting to in this series is like, how do I use what I know from the past in like a numbers format, in a quantitative format 
to help me predict the future better, right? Because when you're thinking about planning, like nothing's new. And so if you can be accurate about the past, you can be accurate about the future in a lot of circumstances. So finding whatever way you can to project out and plan ahead is great. But then like keeping track of what's happening gives you scary, scary data and a scary yeah. ability to predict what you're going to need in the future. Because like the load plan there, the special projects load plan was cram as much food on possible on board as possible and go to sea. <laughs> we were walking on cans. There was shit spilling out of the outboards. I checked in and I'm like, oh, this must just be how much food you need for projects because you the mission length can change wildly depending on what's going on. And, and well, we just saw something shiny over here and whatever. So it's like, and I don't even know what it is or where we're going or any of that shit. I just go ask the CEO. I'm like, Hey, sir, how much food do you want? How much food do you really want? <laughs> and like, he, they give me a number of days and then I go, you know, the, how I usually have a little bit of a buffer, but I did the load when I inventory, like I took over from a chief, like I made chief there. I stayed, he left. So when I took over, I couldn't inventory. There was so much food on board. There was no way to accurately inventory it. And we didn't have time. I got broken for planning for those reasons. Like that's the scar tissue is like, I, I planned and projected and tracked and I got it to a point where the last mission I did on Carter, my Cobb, EDMC, everybody, even the CO was like, Hey, Foster, are we going to run out of food? Cause there wasn't food everywhere. It took me that long to fix all of the excesses. But by the time that last appointment had, I didn't have food on any deck plates except the engine room. But that's different. But <laughs> everything else though, like that's all the, the only food I had in the engine room was usually I would have those laundry bags spilling out of outboards and shit. And in other spaces forward, I might have some cans in a machinery room, something like that. Nothing anywhere. And the crew's just like, where's the food, dude? I'm like, it's it's here, dude. Calm down. And I, they're like, we better not run. And the whole mission, we better not run out of food. We, how you doing on food? How, are we going to run out of food? I'm like, no, dude. Calm down. And we didn't. And they were all just so floored that I didn't have food spilling out. And it's like, dude, my, it's because I'm using data. They didn't have a load yeah. plan. It wasn't real. They were literally ordering by the seat of their pants. I think we need 3,000 pounds of this. And you know what I mean? And then if they ran out of shit, they'd change the menu. And it's like, and they had so much on board that, you know, but they also had stories about there was this one deployment where apparently they ate like pork and rice every day for like a month because that's all they had on board because their load plan was a joke and they got extended. And you know what I mean? So it's like it planning, using the data, yeah accurately tracking those things all of that is really really important because like you're asking me how i will allocate all these resources and i'm going to allocate them according to my experience but it's not yeah. like i have experience it's like i have data i have historical yeah. data and it goes way beyond beyond supply right because this isn't just about food like i made this a food example because you and me and like i think that's something that a lot of people can relate to because most of us have cooked right we like know that oven space is limited we know that if you run out of a food like it's a limited resource especially on a ship but it applies to all sorts of other things to maintenance to parts to time right to how much time your people can work which is like you can use data you can use history and if you're smart about it, which is something that we're like, we're going to talk about how to leverage that data as part of this series, you don't have to guess every time. Like you can use the past to just understand what is coming in the future so much better. 
And so it pulls a lot of the mystery out of this, I think. Most people like, and, and again, going back to the inspector side of it, when I would go out on inspections, I'd be like, show me your load plan. And what did they give me? They gave me a binder with maps in it. I just, I didn't say your stowage plan. I said your load plan. Show me how you know how much food you need to execute yeah. this mission. Because the three things, like the three things your CO cares about on board a submarine, if you're doing food service, are is the food good? Am I going to make anybody sick? And am I going to run out? Like, is the crew happy? Yeah. Am I going to make anybody sick? Am I going to run out of food? Because those are the only things that affect the mission. Everything else, I don't give a right. You is could it take being it. served on time? Sure, but not, is everybody happy is why I say it that way. It's fair like if they're fair. happy, it's on time, you're not running out, it tastes good, you know, there's variety, whatever whatever you want to put under that umbrella. But yeah, it's like those are the three things. Everything else on my side of the checklist, CEO doesn't give a flake. That's just Leadership 101, and that's a whole other podcast. It really is, and it's another skill that's like coming. It sucks so much because I'm like writing these subs and I'm making these podcasts and it's like, ah, I have like a thousand things and I just can't do them all at once. Like you have to go one by one and they all feed on each other. But yeah, so much of this comes down to like what really matters. And like 99% of the time, if you're like, look, we can either do a really good holiday meal or an inspection, your CEO is going to be right. But like the meal affects morale and getting it out on time affects my watches. And so like when you can put yourself in their shoes and you can say like, I'm going to prioritize this because I understand what really impacts the mission or I understand how I fit into the larger mission. That changes how you allocate these resources because you're able to way, way better understand how all of the puzzle pieces are fitting together and therefore like how you need to use what you have in service of the larger things. But like <laughs> the, they care about those those things and that's it. So that's what I would focus on. And I'd go down and I'd show me, show me your load plan. And nobody had one except for there was a, occasionally somebody I was doing an inspection on that had the intelligence because I said it at training all the time to come see me. And I would, ha I would mm. hand it to them. Here you go. And I told them I'll come down informally and just like check your shit out ahead of time. You can bring binders to me. But I was like, I will come to you. It'll come down to the submarine and I will give you an informal look. And I was like, the only thing I ask is you warn your triad that a guy with a group nine hat that's wears two stars over his anchor <laughs> is going to come down to the submarine. Don't freak out. I'm not telling anybody. I was like, you can keep my wheel book. I was like, you can throw it. I'll throw it in a burn bag in front of you before I leave. I'm not telling anybody shit. I'm just coming down to, to like help to train. I'll give you the answers to the test. All you got to do is do it on game day. And I feel like this is like, I come back to it basically every podcast, which is like, there are people who want to help. Most of the time, the people with the knowledge want to help because nobody sticks it out for like 20 well some people do but like nobody really sticks it out for like 20 years and is like i really want to screw over the people behind me i want to hide things from them like everybody wants to help but getting over that fear of like if i ask for help i'm weak or whatever is such a weird thing in the military uh, yeah i think planning is it, like a lot of people they think they're planning but they're not doing it efficiently and I think that a lot of people underestimate just data. Like, I mean, you can do yeah. shit like this for for all kinds of stuff. Like, you could do it for your toiletries on deployment. Like, just pay attention. <laughs> I'm take do notes it for my toiletries on yeah. deployment. <laughs> Obviously, you're a supply officer. You have to. Yeah, it's. I'm it's, a nerd. I don't. Uh, yeah, I know. A lot of people don't like. They need to do those things, and and you'll find that resource allocation becomes a lot easier when you have data and you'll see a lot of yeah. other people doing that already like the nukes you'll see supply yep. does it to a degree but most of the time you don't see it unless you go looking for it but like it, our ppos probably get like a tiny glimpse 
But yeah, it's like the ability to track all that information, aggregate all that data, and then use it to predict the future. You start to look like you can predict the future. And it's like, because, and you become a lot better at your job by doing so. And it's like, and I would tell people too, I wasn't hiding it. It wasn't like my secret sauce. I would tell everybody like, this is why I do it. But then when you see how much work I have to put into it as well, my very first deployment ever, we ran out of flour. Think about that for a second. We were, we did a six month Westpac. This was a fast boat and then pulled into Guam. So he had every opportunity to re up everything. And we were in Guam for a while because we were loading it. So he had every opportunity if he was doing his job correctly to just replenish everything. I, I don't even, we were in the Red Sea for 80 days. Like it was forever. And we just ran out of everything. And and then we tried to, we did replenishments at sea and the Key West stole our flour. So we never, we didn't get any flour. And I mean, that was like one of those deployments that like, they're decomming that boat right now. The little drop down window. West. Yeah. You know, yeah. the little drop down window. So, so we were rationing flour at this point and we were making drop biscuits that were hard as rocks. And one day our night baker, who was not a great person, apparently he made himself <laughs> a loaf of white bread and squirreled it away. And was making himself peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at night. And the ANAV saw him doing that and lost his shit. Because the crew's out there eating hardtack rolls and fucking just no other starch at all. And he's in there eating a fluffy white bread. He threw one of these these biscuits so hard, like a like fastballed it. And he the cook took the window and threw it up to like shield himself from it. And it dented the window. And so I guarantee <laughs> if it's still there right now, which it probably isn't. There's still a dent from that hot roll from like, I mean, it would have been like March, April, May, something to that effect of 2002, I think, 2003. Yeah, it's it was ridiculous. So it's like, I don't want to be in that position ever. I had a chief on that same boat run out of yeast once. And I told him before we left, we had the reach in that's under like the window there. And he filled that with yeast. And I opened it. And I'm like, chief, this isn't enough yeast. And I'm not, mind you, he's a boomer sailor. The CS1 we had was a boomer sailor. I'm the only, I'm the most senior fast boat guy on board. I'm the only guy in the room that's done a deployment on a fast boat. And I'm like, that's not enough yeast. And he goes, yes, it is. And I'm like, no, it's not. I was like, and he goes, CS2, yes, it is. And I'm like, okay, remember this moment when I come to you and tell you that we're out of yeast. Okay. And then I just walked <laughs> off. And sure, we're talking like a month in, we're fucking running low on yeast. And I'm like, hey, chief, guess what? He goes, what? I'm like, we're running low on yeast. He's like, no, we're not. I'm like, yes, we are. Go look. And he's like, and, he, and then he tried to like argue that like we were fucking wasting it or using too much or whatever. And I'm like, or hear me out. We didn't bring enough yeast. And I told you that. So it's like, you can't, you just got to, that could be another thing too, is like relying on, relying on people that are experienced. Oh, that was I, last week. I mean, and the data, right? Like <laughs> at some point, if he had the data and he'd looked at the actual numbers of what he had, we could have, like, everybody could have seen this coming and you wouldn't have had to rely on, like, eyeballing it. And then you would have just known. And I think that's where people, they get really wrapped up in rank or experience or whatever. And sometimes if you can just, like, break it down to the black and white, it does, it makes a difference in getting everybody on the same page. I did my last Chiefs tour at sea on a boomer and I'd never been on a boomer before. Yeah, I'm a senior chief that's done some, but I never, I don't know how to boomer, you know? So I had a CS1 and a CS, I think I, yeah, I had a CS1 and a CS3 that made second pretty quickly and ended up being my LPO long-term, but 
those guys, I asked them, I'm like, how do you guys do this? I went down on another boat with a senior chief that ended up being the ISIC later. And while he was loading food and had him like walk me through everything, I wanted to watch it come down on the boat. I wanted to have somebody kind of like teach me. And I listened to my guys because they knew what they were talking about. And I didn't. So in this scenario, in the scenario you gave me, if I'm the supply officer and not, you know, old crusty retired CS master chief, it's like, I'm going to like ask them questions too. I'm going to be willing to receive from those cooks that have experience doing this and may even be if the inspectors come down, which hopefully they don't because you ask them not to, or they come down and do training. <laughs> you're you're, you can ask them as well. Like, Hey, can you help me understand like what I could have done better or the order of operations or any of that stuff, like asking them for help instead of thinking, cause like if I'm a supply officer and I'm the only like khaki or, and even like, E6 and above, like if there's a bunch of like E4s and they have some experience, but I'm the only person in the room, it's it's tempting to go start barking orders at people. And you're barking orders at people that have way more experience than you do doing this thing. Yeah. So why are you telling them how to do it? Why don't you ask them what they need and become a facilitator? Like you should be like, yeah, you're, you're the one that can make things happen and make things move, but that doesn't mean you need to be the one directing everything. That means that you should be sure. very much in receive mode from the people that do kind of know what right looks like and just trust that they're not going to lie to you in that moment because it's, you know, you kind of have to. Yeah. Well, and I think you've hit on a lot of it, right? Which is like, you have to think about what's using all the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you have to say when, you know, what goes in when, what keeps well. Right. And basically, once you kind of sort that out, you have to call on your experts and then you have to mm -hmm. trust your people. Yep. And I it, think that's probably like, that's the hardest part for most leaders yeah. is like, and there's a lot of point, moments like, in the scenario where I would say something and you might be like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Like the <laughs> one of the kind of standing rules is. Like, yeah, I want everything done on time, but I also want to, to counterbalance that. I want to do everything as close to serving time as possible. So it's as fresh as possible because I'm going to get a better product. Yeah. Everybody's going to be a lot happier with that. So like on burger day, we start cooking burgers like 30 minutes before the meal. And it's like, that's a thing where you're like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that because I want food on. I want food on the line. I'm like, there'll be food on the line, like, but it's going to be constantly like they're never going to stop cooking burgers or frying french fries during burger day you just got to be able to speak that language but yeah no i think that makes a ton of sense and and i really always think about that as like connected to the mission as like mm -hmm. if you can say look if i do this yep. this is how it's going to affect your people or your mission yep. and usually if you can point that out that's like yeah and that oh. was very much what I would do. I started sharing this endurance tracker because I could just plug numbers in and it was just a spreadsheet, but that's what 1120 and I color coded with conditional formatting. So there's <laughs> red and green and yellow and shit because that's what they need. So it's like, oh, you yeah. need metrics. You want, you want data. You want analytics. I got you. And I would print out these spreadsheets or email in these spreadsheets saying, look, this is what we're looking at. And I would have CEOs come to me and be like, hey, if we needed to stay out to sea for another 45 days. What would that look like if we didn't port? And I'd be like, okay. And and I it, like I can sit here and and verbalize it, but like if you put data in front of them and say, like, I had a chart where it would have like what I have on hand, what I need for the amount of period they want to stay out, and what the deficiencies are going to be, and what I would do about them, and or and or how it would affect us, right? Like if I can't fix it, this is what's going to happen. I'm just going to have to change or adjust somehow. 
And so like, I had to do that a handful of times. One of the times on Jimmy Carter, I, I was like, I would get underway with dry, like uh, enough for like 21 days of just dry food period. And it would be not great. It's like mid rats every meal, but like it, I could feed you, I could give you three hots and a cot, you know, like we could stay yeah. at sea. You're just not going to enjoy it very much. But I, and I, I prepared that menu and sent it up to them. Like, this is what I can do. And they're like, fuck that. We're going to Hawaii and getting food. And so like, but that's like, I basically made, the, I think I made that decision for them. I wasn't in the room cause I wasn't that senior yet, but then on my last boat, I'm a department chief. I'm at all the ops briefs and in the CO room constantly. And so like, that's what it, I would, I'd be bringing endurance trackers and load plans and all this, because when you put that in front of an 1120, not only does it communicate what the data and give them this warm, fuzzy, that this decision is correct. It also gives them a large level of confidence that I know what I'm doing. And that's a, like, you can't buy that kind of, of like juice with your CO because then he, he trusts you with Cause yeah. then when I say shit, it means something different because he knows I have an endurance tracker. He knows I've got the data. So if I say to my CO, Hey, sir, like it's going to get interesting. Like I can feed you, but you're not going to like it. He does it then after I've done that a handful of times, he already knows I have the data and, he's, and he might ask yeah. me a few more questions. And if it's severe enough, he might ask to see that data still so he can because it's like a real hard decision. But it's like, yeah, if you have it, yeah, I mean, yeah, for a while you're going to need it. But then eventually the CO is just going to trust you. And it's like, that's invaluable because I got to a point even with COs that didn't like me that they're like, yeah, I might not like this dude, but he knows what he's doing and, and he has the receipts. So if he says something. And they'd want to like argue with me about it. It's like, no, I, I can prove to you that this is bullshit or I can prove to you that yeah. I'm not lying to you or whatever. And so that's a, that's a bit, that credibility is like invaluable to be able Heck to get yeah. the things done that you need done. Or even like, I mean, I could call group nine who are the SMI inspectors and be like, Hey, I need you to push this or I need some time or I need help with this or whatever. And when I call, it's different than when the guy that does a survey every time he comes home because he can't manage his inventory and runs out of food and they fly <laughs> messages. You know what I mean? It's a different phone call. And so there's that yeah. too. There's like, there's this credibility and trust that it becomes like this lubricant to you getting all done that you need to get done. It makes everything easier, especially when you're in a pinch, like when yeah. you need something bad, like the other crew came back one time and half the galley was broken and I had three weeks to turn that around and go back to sea. So I already had to load food and I had three pieces of equipment I had to replace. Like I was walking on the pier like day two of refit assist and they're like, there's fire trucks fucking racing up to the brow and shit and people are freaking out. I hear alarms go off. I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, the proof box is on fire. I had to replace the proofer. I had to replace a steam jacket, a kettle, and I had to replace a griddle if I remember correctly. There might've been an oven too. I can't remember three weeks. I, I don't even have a job in for this because of course the other crew didn't put it in and I didn't know till they moored. So, but, but with the help of, we have these contractors out in this area called Submat. I don't know, or CMAT or like that. I don't know if they have them everywhere, but they're like contracted electricians that, spe that specialize in like the food service equipment. And then, oh. so between them, the shop that does all that, that would do the repairs and the Isik, who happened to have a roll up with a bunch of equipment in it from God knows where that like some of it was still crated. Some of it looked like it got ripped out of a submarine. But like I was like, hey, man, this is what this is my problem. Help. And the senior chiefs, you know, 
battle stations fix my shit and we've come up with all these pieces of equipment got them all down there i went to see with a, a soft serve machine in between the freezer and chill box on a pallet that like because they broke that thing and i'm like look i can get it here but it's gonna be like sitting on a pallet and i had an mdiver install it on the way out on the maneuvering watch and then they wired it up on the mid watch they hung tags and did all the shit and then we had a soft serve so it's like but I could only do that because I, I had that type of juice with these people because they trusted yeah. me. They knew I'd help them if they needed it. They, like I had built up all of this like credibility with all these people and trust with all these people that they were willing to like stop what they were doing. And, and, and they knew that this wasn't happening because I'm an idiot. This was happening because the boat came back and didn't tell me shit. And this is the yeah. situation we're in. So here we go, you know? And, so they would, yeah. they would jump to help me out. And so like, it, it, it just, there's so many ways that that type of like trust and credibility with your peers, senior subordinates, whatever, it will pay off. It, it'll, it'll pay, pay off in ways you don't even, you can't even conceive of. Like you'll find yourself yeah. in these situations where you're like, how did that just happen so easily? And it's because like somebody took care of you and didn't even tell you. Like I had that happen yep. with my mental health appointment initially. My, my IDC put the mic on the top of the pile. I'm almost certain. Yeah. He never told me that, <laughs> but I got, a, I got my, my story in the Navy mental health system and everyone else's are polar opposites. Like I got, I went to my primary care guy, got a referral, put the, called to make an appointment and I got an appointment like in two weeks and I was seeing a guy Hell regularly yeah. for until I retired. So it's like, that's how it should be for everyone. But I'm pretty sure there was some lubricant that got me <laughs> in there and I didn't ask for it. I didn't expect it. I would feel dirty if I knew for certain that that's what happened. Cause like there might be other people that got, I mean, for sure there would be people that I skipped over, you know, and that's bullshit. But that just happens well, when you are the, that person, when you have that type of trust and well, credibility with those people. That's the benefit of having the skills, thinking through the processes and right. communicating is like, mm -hmm. then you get that juice and that juice pays off yep. way more than in just where you're kind of applying it. It, you know, it pays off in spades. Right. And even when you do fuck up, like, cause I'm not perfect. And so like no, there were times where I'd be like, of the doubt. right. I, yeah. I'd be like, oops, I fucked up. Here's what happens. And they'll yeah. help you because you're not the problem child. You're not the person there on your boat every single time you tie to the pier, putting out fires like, and they know that. And you've demonstrated that over a period of time that has allowed for that trust and credibility. So like, even when yeah. I would need somebody to do me a solid, they were very willing to do it because I would do it for them. And because even the, that was a thing, too, and that's probably something I should a detail I should point out is like the my counterpart was a dumpster fire. But when that man <laughs> needed help, I was there for him every single time, like without yeah. fail. I would always like my we, they would come back. Inventory's all fucked up. They're two weeks behind posting paperwork. And I told them, I'm like, look, we know what's going to happen. It's going to be a shit sandwich. We just need to expect that. So when it is a shit sandwich, it's not a surprise. And we're just like, yep, this is just what we do. And we're going to go fix it because we have to, because now we're, we have to take the boat. We have to deploy. And the faster we fix this shit, the faster we can get everything squared away so that when we're on deployment, everything's gravy. And so like, and those guys would, we'd be in like the helping role to get them out to sea. And it's like, they'd be like, they never do this shit for us. I'm like, that's because they don't know how calm down. And yeah. it's like, but th this is who we are. This is what we do. Like we're capable of it. They need the help. I'm not sending this submarine to sea so that the whole crew can suffer because of their incompetence. I'm here. 
it's my fucking job to help them. I'm going to help them. And so are you. So like, just shut up and go do it. And they bought into it eventually because they just understood. They're like, if they were capable of doing it, they would do it. And there was their chief didn't treat the division very well. So those guys didn't work hard for him. But when they were in refit yeah. assist for me, they worked their asses off. And like, I'm tight with some of those guys from his division to this day. Like shout out to Mario. Like every time I see him, he like, gives me a big bear <laughs> hug. And he was like one of the E4s in the other division. And it was because I treated him like a person and valued him and told him when he did a good job, just all that shit. Because I had one, my, I think it was my first food load on the boomer. Something went sideways. We did our like deployment loadout, and then you do like that little top up before you leave because I consumed some of it. And I, yeah. I had food in a top side freezer and chill box because they were doing refrigerant work. And so I, when I did the math for the top, the top off, I didn't include the the balance of that food that was in the top side boxes. So then oh, we were, I'm like, yeah, it's all going to fit. It's all going to fit. I planned for this. And so I'm like loading it all. It didn't all fit. And I had a bunch of food I needed to put somewhere. And I was freaking out. And it was late too, because like the shipyard hates us and they'll give you like, oh, you could do this all in one day. I'm like, no, we can't. And like that's saying, <laughs> not if I ever want to sleep. And so <laughs> I, it was like 11 at night and I'm like, I don't, what do I do with this shit? Cause I didn't have a freezer anymore. And so like I had, I called around, I finally got this one senior chief on the phone. I was like, bro, he had a combo lock on his top side box. I was like, tell me the combo or I can just go get bowl cutters at Walmart and I'll cut it. Cause I was about to like have to survey all this shit. Cause it was sitting on the fuck here and it's 11 at night. And I'm like, Oh, and so all these gold crew guys stayed with us and we got all that shit into a truck and they took it out down and put it in his chill box. We still ended up surveying some shit cause some of it was frozen and they didn't tell me. And we had to do like a critique and shit, but like whatever. But that dude, like he jumped through his ass for me and I transferred him the food while I was at sea. And it was like a whole thing for a while. And he, he helped me out, but those gold crew guys stayed late and helped me out. And I gave a chiefs coin to everybody that was there with me. And I was just like, thank Hell you guys yeah. so much. Like I, this was so far above and beyond, blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of the beginning of it. And that was the beginning of my time there too. But I was just like, you guys are the shit. And it, like, they had never heard that from their chief before. And I was just like, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Thank you for doing this. I mean, that's the and, whole thing, right? Is like treat yeah. people with dignity, treat them with respect, yeah. treat them as though they're capable. You'll be mm. amazed what they can do. And right. don't punish everybody because of mm. one shithead, right? Hi, like one person. Who, and not shithead, but even just worst. like one person who doesn't know what's going on, which is like, yeah. especially no yeah. matter what you're doing, really, in the military, like there's basically nothing where the only people you impact are mm -hmm. your people. Like whether mm -hmm. it's food, whether it's new you know who, who swows whoever you are like it affects right. everybody on the ship and so like at some point you have to set aside doing what's fair in order to do what helps the most people and it's like look yeah. is that division garbage maybe but like if i help them then everybody does a right. little better and like right there's hundreds and of people here who deserve to be treated yeah, yeah, and it and it really is as simple as transparency and like just explain it to them. Because when yeah. you explain to like when I explained to them that the division needed that help, they didn't know what they were doing, here's why. It start it got to a point where like I had a third class that was a records keeper and he was kind of like he was a dude that a lot of people typecast as like lazy and useless and stuff, but he was he wanted to be an accountant, so it was like perfect. He really liked doing records. <laughs> And when we took the boat, he caught, I, I didn't see, I didn't catch it. Cause I was just, it was just like the first day we were, he was looking through FSM and he caught that 
throughout the entire deployment, he what he fucked up something with an allowance. It was like the oh for officers at sea. He wasn't charging officers at sea. So like they were in the hole when they got home, and I'm like, what the? F-? And so finally, he had to go back and fix everything and oh. reopen all those months, reclose all those months, and my guy did it. And then at the end, we went from like. I want to say it was like $2,000 over issue to like $27,000 under issue because they were cooking the books to try to get closer to not being over issue instead of figuring out why they were over issue by doing their fucking thing right. And then, so then all of a sudden we had this huge surplus and then here's the best part. We did an inventory of the freezer and took like a $20,000 expenditure and had to do a memo and send NAFSA. So like it was, they had to do a critique. It was all this shit, but my guy caught that. I didn't have anything to do with it. My third class caught yeah. that and Hell told yeah. me, Chief, you're not going to believe this, but blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God. So but then again, I like, like, that's it. Like you empower the people mm-hmm. and you let yep. them, like you build an environment where they can bring you bad yeah. news. Cause then that, yeah. then that third class brings you bad mm-hmm. news and it's like, look, I think they've been fucking this up. Right. And it's and like, they that's knew not bad news. Like what's important to me is that it's done right. I was like, I don't care yeah. what happens. I, it will get done correctly. Just like death and taxes. Like if you do it the wrong way, you cut a corner, I will make you redo it correctly. Like if that it's you not count taxes, on. I will make just it death. N- yeah. Just know. <laughs> If I catch it, you're redoing it. Guaranteed. Yeah. Like, and, and they really like en- embraced that concept. And so, yeah, they Hell just yeah. knew like, yeah, sometimes I'm going to get mad, but I, I would usually be explicit and be like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad. Like, I'm just yeah. frustrated. You know what I mean? And it's like it I because I kind of bark at them a little and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad. And still like they understood. But then like they knew it was better to bring me that shit than if I found they were trying to hide some shit or I found it myself. It's going to be a lot worse if I'm the one forcing the function, but if you bring it to me and so then, yeah, they turn into little terminators and they're finding all this shit and bringing it to me or just fixing it and telling me if it's a low level enough, but yeah. And then he bragged on that, that until he got out of the Navy. Like he was just like, I caught chiefs fuck up. I want them to bring me that information. And I want them to be comfortable bringing me that information, especially Heck so yeah. that we can just fix it and move on. And so like they bought into the concept when they, when those things would continue to happen, they're like, okay, like, yeah, we just, just, the, we just need to do it right. And there's always a right answer. There's always a way out of it. Like you were saying earlier with the chops Inc or XO or whatever. Yeah. I, my returns were full of memos signed by chop or the XO or the other crew or who, whoever made the most sense. I would have the is I'd have the ISIC sign like directing me to do a thing. So it's not just they think I'm cooking the books. It's like, no, FSM's just stupid. And here's the memo, here's the email from ISIC. They here's them co-signing. And you just keep evidence because nobody's perfect. If you present me with like records that look perfect or admin that looks perfect, like you've never made a mistake for three years. It's like you're full of <laughs> shit. Yeah, and I'm gonna find yeah. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna no, find I'm d- it. Yeah. So it's like you just tell on yourself. You just be open and honest about it. And it the reason why it works is because then those auditors are like, one, they're showing us that they're human. So I, I'm pretty comfortable they're not lying to me about anything because they're telling on themselves. But also I can see that they're self-auditing, catching their own mistakes, and then correcting them, which is like, that's the dream. You know, like I want to know yeah. not just that you're doing the thing, but that you're self-auditing to catch your own mistakes. You're catching them and then you're fixing them too. That's like... Yeah. God tier like <laughs> admin. Like you're just like, oh my God, they're auditing their own. They have audit tools. They had I had yeah. checklists. I had all kinds of shit. 
I made chops and shit she didn't need to sign. So yeah, it's just like rude. Everything, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Well, this yep. has been fun. Point. Bef- before we go, anything you want to plug? I mean, not in particular, like dguspodcast.com. We do a bunch of stuff. I'm hoping that all of the tertiary podcasts spin back up soon. Like we had Trash Panda Talks, Seeds of Triumph. Doc's point of view, I know, is good. He's got some episodes pending. And then I have a couple of new ones brewing. They're not ready yet. So I'm hoping that those drop pretty soon. And then, yeah, just go check it out. Leadership development content. And then, yeah, Good D gets apparel would be cool. Go buy some shit, support us. <laughs> we got a Patreon, all those things. But yeah, like if you go to dgutsapparel.com, Naval Pride of Harris, Gear, actually, we're in public, got some dope stickers, shirts, hoodies, all that stuff. You even got some yeah. summer or shower shoes if you're interested. But yeah, and yeah, then that's really tu- it. A little touch it's of the D gets verse. Yeah. Hell yeah. Best Master Chief out there, retired or not. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us for the Depth and Distance Leadership Challenge. I know this was a little bit different, kind of less structured of an episode, but when you've got D-Guts on, you just, you let him do D-Guts stuff. And I hope everyone had a really good time and you're understanding how, even when we're talking about something specific like resource allocation, it's really a small skill that's part of much larger skills that we're building to and talking about as part of Depth and Distance because they all feed into one another and it takes a lot of tools to get the job done right. As always, this is free and available to anyone who enjoys it or needs it. The best way you can support is by sharing, commenting, letting me know what you think I could improve. I am always happy to hear constructive criticism or I guess just criticism if you're feeling it. (laughs) And I hope you'll subscribe and tune in next week.